Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, meets each week. Welcome to all who are new here today. Welcome to all who worship here regularly. Welcome to occasional visitors, and welcome to all. We've all made our different journeys to be here, by bus and tube, on foot, in cars, on trains and planes. And between us, we probably cover a wide range of human conditions, as well as modes of transport. Some will be sleepy still, some wide awake, some joyful, some troubled, Annoyed, peaceful. May we all find something in this next hour that speaks to us personally in some way. May we be challenged or soothed, cheered or sobered, uplifted or taken deeper. And may our souls be nourished and enriched by spending this time together. Today's service has as its theme our favourite things and you'll be hearing from various people this morning about what brings them joy. Our opening chant, which is one of my favourite things, is from the Teze community and it tells us that it is good to find trust in something greater than ourselves. So let's consider that sense of trust in connection through these opening words written by Elizabeth Bertels, a dear friend to this congregation. She writes, We gather as companions on a journey to be reminded of mystery and of holy things. We gather to see each other's faces, to be reminded of the possibility that even in our essential aloneness, we may connect with each other. We gather to weave and to reweave community that is animated by the mystery of life. We gather, O Spirit of Holiness, to feel your presence, to worship, to listen, to gain insight and courage, and to celebrate the journey we make as companions. Welcome. Welcome one and all. Carol lights our chalice this morning in recognition of our connections forged around this world, connections with liberal religious communities, with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists. This day, may its simple flame act as a beacon bright and clear to remind us of the precious gift of life we've been given, and may it inspire us to protect and respect the life of all beings. as I call on the divine spirit of life and of love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here today. I invite you to greet this day with joy and to put joy into each activity of this day for it is a new day, a glorious day, blessed by God. 
Look not to the past nor to the future, but enjoy this day to the full and flow with it. Resist not change. Grow and unfold. Reveal those many hidden gifts and talents within you. Hide not your light, your love, your joy. Let these many facets shine forth and do your part to help make this world a better place, to help bring heaven down on earth. And in the peace of this present moment, let us send our thoughts and prayers to those people around our world who are suffering in any way, perhaps people we know well, or people who are known to us only through the news. And there we think particularly today of people in Iraq, Syria and the Ukraine, in Nigeria and all the other many places where people's lives are shaped by turmoil rather than love. May all lives today be touched by some spark of joy or hope or love. And may those who are blessed with good fortune find ever more creative ways to share their good fortune with others. And we, we who are fortunate, though each in our very different ways, let us spend a moment now in silent gratitude for that which we are, for that which we have and for that which we can do. For these are the gifts that are ours to use, so may we use them with wisdom and whenever possible for the greater good of all. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see such a large crowd. Um, I'm going to read you some of my favourite words. Um, It's called The Invitation by Uriah, Uriah Mountain Dreamer. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living... I want to know what you ache for, and if you dare to meet your heart's longing, it doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dreams, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the centre of your sorrows, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, be realistic, 
or to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself, if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. I want to know if you can be faithful and therefore untrustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day and if you can source life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand on the edge of a lake and shout to the silver of the moon, yes. It doesn't interest me where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done for the children. It does not interest me who you are or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the centre of the fire with me and not shrink back. It does not interest me with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. This, for me, would be the perfect lonely heart ad. <laughs> if I was looking for somebody, if they could answer all of these, I'd be very happy. <laughs> Thank you. And also, I've had a, a thyroid operation, so this is the first time I've done any public speaking in a long time. And these words are very special because um, I came across them on the 22nd of March 2000 when I used to go to the College of Psychic Studies in South Kensington. And these words always resonate with me, and I pick them up every so often. So it's an old piece of paper, but it's an important piece of paper. Today I've brought one of my favorite things, actually two. Um, As far as animation is concerned, I'm a child at heart. I absolutely love animation and over the years I have bought videos and DVDs of animated films after I've seen them at the cinema. No, not for my children or my grandchildren. They were for me. Now, some of you may know of Ardman Studios in Bristol and they're the creators of uh, Wallace and Gromit and also Creature Comforts. In 2000, a film I absolutely adored is called Chicken Run. Some of you may have seen it. I see smiles around. Now, um, a little later, when I saw these two characters in a charity shop, I had to buy them, so I'll introduce them to you. This is Rocky. And I will not say why I think the name has got triple meaning for those of you who may still see the film, which I highly recommend. I don't think he's sit up, but we can try. No. And this is Ginger, and Ginger is my favorite because she believes in the impossible. 
And one, when one of the hands in the film says, it's only, there's only, just a minute, I have to read it. Um, there's only a million to one chance that we can escape. Then Ginger says, that's still a chance. They live with me in my little flat. <laughs> my name is Jim. It isn't a child, really, but it's it's a world. I like the plastic wrap. This isn't what I want to talk about. And something else I'm going to mention very briefly. A bear. Uh, five minutes. I speak quickly. If I speak too quickly and I get excited, I'll drop into a Geordie accent, which is a very foreign dialect. If that happens, please wave in front of me so I can slow down. Um, I'd like to thank Eric. It's looking at um, some of my favourite things. I realised I have so many of them. And it was a delight. Um, I take lots for granted spending time with family and loved ones. I like adventures and travelling. And I've been able to do lots of those. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pick two specifics which, which I've handed out. But before I say that, I'm a sort of composite of a responsible male of ooh, some 50 odd years and a nine-year-old who likes to play and they fight. It's mainly the nine-year-old nitpicking at the adult for not having enough space to play. And uh, as I've got a bit older, I have been able to sort of slow down a bit and I like quiet spaces and I can sit in my own space. But actually, at heart, I'm a kelper of Viking, and I still look for the great adventure. Um, the two things I wanted to discuss is the globe, which was a... Uh, I'm very much connected to all things, to nature, to the earth, to the skies, to the mountains, to the seas. And a friend, a very close friend, Vivian, made that for me and gave it to me. So it's very special to me. Um, I suppose I'll read a little bit because when I'm in relationship with the mystery of my world it feels magical I feel connected I feel present, alive, spiritual and energised listening with the heart communicating in the silences and smiling I like to laugh, I like to laugh a lot and showing up and choosing to engage in in that space it's a magical space for me and um, it feels almost a a different universe and often I don't create that space enough but when I'm there it's wonderful as John O'Donoghue said in Anamkara human presence is a great if turbulent sacrament a visible sign of invisible grace in this space I remember that I'm made of clay um, I'm linked to not separate from the earth uh, which includes all the creatures and plant life. I'm just part of what is. And in that place, it's a, it's a beautiful place for me, and it's a wonderful place. Um, the Celts embraced nature, divinity, the underworld, and saw the human world, all of it as one. And they celebrated the darkness and not just the light. And um, 
I like to do that. I like to celebrate the darkness and not just the light. An example of when I'm in that magical space, which is a fantastic connection. A few years ago, my daughter enrolled me on a three-week course, a program, a permaculture course in South Africa. Permaculture is looking at uh, more sustainable ways of living with the planet, with humans, animals, plants. And when I was on that course, the beginning of the course was to, to, had to walk the valley and try and make some sort of connection and get, get a sense of the place. This was an arid sort of semi-desert. And uh, for, the, for the week prior to that, I kept walking into acacia trees and getting spiked. And I sort of got a bit fed up with them, to be honest. <laughs> and so I sat down and I, I walked about for a bit. I couldn't make any connection. And I sat down next to the acacia tree, got a hold of the tree, just closed my eyes, centered myself and slowed my breathing down, and then I felt the connection. And what I felt was a, um, a tree, often they only grow very short, and they only last five or six years, they have a limited life, it's a very dry, arid land. They have very small leaves and, t- and thorns, lots of thorns. <laughs> and what they're doing, they're trying to survive. That's how they retain their moisture, and protect themselves and survive. And I connected with a plant who was trying to survive. And I followed, I, I, I followed the root structure of the plant, and I had a sense they were very shallow, and, um, and then that root structure took me to lots of other roots that were sitting there waiting for the rains, and this is what I decided. So I walked back to my new facilitators, and they said, how did that go? So I explained it. Everyone went very silent on me and says, you've been reading the course material, haven't you? And I went, no, I haven't. I haven't. And then I had a huge respect for the acacia. And then every time I approached the acacia, I asked permission to approach the acacia. And amazingly, because I had some awareness, I didn't get spiked. <laughs> so, so that sort of um, link to nature is really important to me. I love climbing trees. As I've got older, I find I can still climb up, but it's much harder to get down. And recently I was in Horsenden Woods, which is an ancient woodland. And I scampered up this tree, it's about 15, 20 feet high, and sat there as the dusk came in. And on the canopy, there were squirrels running across the, the, the leaves at the top of the tree. I'd never seen this before. And there was a hawk hovering above my head. And I sat there for about half an hour. And I thought, I'm getting a bit stiff here. <laughs> so it's time to leave. And then I looked down and went, whoops. <laughs> maybe I should have bought a rope. Yeah, maybe I could call for help. Oh, I forgot my phone. So I sat there for a bit and I thought, if I was in eight, how would I get down? So I clambered down, fell the last six feet <laughs> and lay there. But I was okay, so... But in that space, there's a magic connection. So I, I've, put, I've put the photograph of the bear, because I think that uh, a friend of mine, who I think was a bit of an avatar, uh, Simon John, uh, the first time he held me, he got a hold of me, and he went, my name's Jim Blair. And he held me and went, Jim Bear. <laughs> All right, so I wear a bear. <laughs> and so that's, you can see the energy and the life in the bear. Um, but the, the photographic world is a really important part of my life. Um, Aaron Siskin, photography is a way of feeling, of touching, of loving. It remembers little things, long after you have forgotten everything. The camera for me is just a vehicle for the connection. Um, It it forces me to pause and look at very physical things like light and dark, shapes and outlines. Where's my my photography today? Is it here somewhere? Yeah, see me please. (laughs) I'm getting excited now. (laughs) I have to consider time and distance, a whole range of things. But most of all, the challenge and real joy is how to reach the spirit and soul of what is before me. A while ago, uh, I took some photographs of some of the congregation in the garden. I was a keen amateur snapper, and I took some portrait stuff. And one of the congregation, Gordon, 
I hadn't, didn't really know very well. He came, we chatted, and we decided we'd take his photograph. He turned up, dressed, spruced up, but a big heavy beard, and he seemed to be scowling. I thought, he's not really smiling. So we got into the garden, I took several shots, and I was going, now you need to smile, Gordon. And eventually I worked there, he was smiling. I just hadn't got him. That was his best smile. <laughs> and what happened is we, we made a connection in that space. And we had a different conversation after that. And it, it was sort of, it was really awesome. And I got a side of him I'd, not, I'd never got before. So, so what starts from a very physical thing can become a very spiritual thing for me. Um, a portrait is not made in the camera, but on either side of it. And finally, I think we could have an exciting time. I like to be able to sing, dance, not be judged, enjoy the laughter and spontaneity of, chil- spontaneity of children. My nine-year-old really likes that. I like to be with folks, have time for myself, but to be able to enjoy my dark side. Because I have a side who likes to say things and do things that sometimes my wife isn't very happy with. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, I like to sit before a fire at sunset as the veil between worlds shimmers. Thank you. This is a poem by me called Brockett Park uh, near Welling Garden City and briefly the background to this is that I was due to teach, well, yes, lead, facilitate uh, a drama therapy group uh, in the afternoon. So I went to this park during the, to have my lunch and then I was inspired to write this and I was 25 minutes late back getting to the group. Well, I thought I'd tell the truth and shame the devil and I said, well, I'm, I, this is what I've done in the poem. So one said, read it. So uh, I read it and I don't think they got it too much. Anyway, it's called Rocket Park. Lord, this is wonderful. A light wind blows the whiskered shocks of still unripened corn. The waving boughs of supple ash close by nod as if by custom charged to ward intruders off. Blackbirds thread the sighing conifers with still insistent cries. Busily the hidden chiffchaff strikes its tiny anvil, and just above the field's serrated edge, dun and mellow cottage roofs appear immensely snug, whilst high above white cotton clouds drift past in indolent repose. Lord, so much, so much is June, and as sure a glimpse of your perfection as this world can afford. Felt, though unseen, all creatures doze snugly in their hidden lairs. True, in the distance, dogs are heard, but do not offer chase. This rare interval held for a while like water in a thirsty walker's hands, enraptured contemplation gives sense and meaning 
to the quality of heaven. Last week, we held our Celebration of Friendship service here at Essex Church. Do have a look at the photos in our latest newsletter, which is hot off the press and available for you to take home today. Now, we didn't last week have time to talk in much depth about particular friends, but if we'd had time, I surely would have mentioned my friend Claire, who has many sterling qualities, including a deep sense of loyalty. And another of Claire's special features is that she doesn't hold back from reminding you of your mistakes. So one of the stories she loves to remind me of is of a party I apparently hosted some 25 years ago when, according to her, all that was offered to eat was hula hoops and mince pies, neither of which she liked. Now, trust me, I'll never commit such a social blunder ever again. But there is nothing like that experience of missing something important to you to realise just what really matters. Um, And I have Bill Darlison to thank for um, a story that that relates to this. It's called The Sweetest Sound, and it tells of Shah Abbas of Persia's ministers having nothing better to do than to argue about what was the sweetest sound. One of them loved the sound of the flute and said, now surely that is the sweetest sound. No, no, said the pianist. You know, the piano, there is no better instrument. And then Jenny happened to be there and she said, I think you need to consider the violin as surely the sweetest sound. And eventually Shah Abbas was so fed up with them all that he invited them to a party. And the night went on. There was an hour of flute playing, an hour of piano, an hour of violin. And then they brought in other instruments, including the accordion and the recorder. And the night went on. And all the guests were kind of like, believe this, Shah Abbas usually does such lovely food. Their stomachs were rumbling ever more as the music went on and on and on. It was past midnight when Shah Abbas eventually asked in the cooks and they heard the sound of serving spoons on bowls (laughs) and they decided that the sweetest sound was indeed of that which you are missing. And of course, we take so much for granted, don't we? We only realise how precious things like clean air and water are when suddenly you find yourself without them. We only fully appreciate the food we eat when we find ourselves in a situation where there is nothing that we can like there, or nothing at all. We usually only think of personal safety when something has disrupted that aspect of our lives. And we take ourselves and others for granted until some health scare or other challenge reminds us of our incredible vulnerability. And maybe that is just how it has to be. Maybe that is part of the human condition. We have to take things for granted because to pay full attention to the miracle of life may sometimes be more than we can bear. But thank goodness that ever so often something wakes us up. Perhaps some music that we hear, or a special moment with someone we love, or something that draws our attention, be it the silver of the moon or the smell of flowers, 
or a plate of food lovingly served, or the simple touch of someone's hand. I think they are all ways of remembering what really are our favourite things. May all beings be peaceful, happy and know their wholeness. May all beings know safety and security. May all beings know how to look at themselves with eyes of understanding and love. May all beings learn how to nourish themselves with joy each day. May all beings be peaceful, happy and know their wholeness. And may this be so. Amen. Go well and blessed be.